This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. Available August 2nd. Pre-order now at glennbeck.com slash liars. You're listening to Matt Walsh On Demand. Double podcast, so this makes this makes four in about eight days. I'm absolutely on fire. This is insane. Just as last week, uh, because I don't feel like coming up with a topic to discuss on my own, I'll resort to digging through some of my email from the week and answering uh, them or, or speaking on whatever topic has been suggested. So let's see how many of these we can get through. All right. Um, the first email also represents about 67 other emails I've received since Tuesday. This is... My most asked question of the week by far, so I have no choice but to lead off with it. Jordan asks, uh, he says, Dear Matt, huge fan of your work. I haven't heard you say anything about the Milo situation. What do you make of it? Is this free speech under attack? Yeah, I've been been following the story a little bit. Milo Yiannopoulos, for anyone who doesn't know, is a, a, well, he's called a conservative writer in the media. That's what, when they've been talking about the story, I've noticed they've said, well, a conservative writer for Breitbart was banned from Twitter. He's not conservative. He's, he's, he's certainly not conservative. He's um, a member of the so-called alt-right, which I think is mostly a cancer on conservatism. I think a lot of the people who identify with this group or ideology, whatever you want to call it, are not sincere. You know, they're trolls. They're blatant about that, about, about not being sincere, about trolling. Almost proud of it. And I just think that's stupid. I, just, I don't have time for that. I don't have time. You know, I get uh, that... When you're online, social media, especially if you make a living online, as I do, uh, as Milo does, that you have to get attention. You have to, you, people need to pay attention to you or you, you, you won't have much of a living. But when people are just resort to, to being completely insincere and just trolling for the sake of it, getting attention just for the sake of it, uh, that's fine if it's what people want to do. I don't have time for it. I, I think it's stupid. It bores me. And uh, I have no interest in it. And I think the alt-right, as far, you know, to whatever extent it is sincere, which I don't know how sincere it really is, it represents something that really isn't all that different than what we've already had in the past, which is a kind of socially liberal conservatism. The only difference is that it's a, it's a nationalism. So it's, it's a socially liberal nationalism. It either ignores or often embraces the most damaging aspects of liberalism, uh, the gay agenda, abortion, moral relativism, the rejection of faith and so on. This is the core of the left's agenda. It's the most important thing. It's, it's, it's what they're concentrating. It's what they want to do. They want to reclaim the culture. They have claimed it. They want to keep a hold of it. And that's really their entire goal. So if you ignore or embrace that, then you're not fighting them. Even if you go over and say, well, I'm going to concentrate on immigration. I'm going to concentrate on killing terrorists, which is what the alt-right would say. Well, it's fine. Those, those two things are good and we should do them. But if in the meantime you have seeded the culture, you've given the culture over to the left, given it to them, adopted their ideas and their strategies and their ways of thinking, if you've done that, then they've won. They've won. Immigration 
yeah, they care about, they want to bring immigrants in and, and so on. But it's not that important to them. That's not the point. The point is the culture. That's what they want. And their main goal with the culture is to have a culture that where, where objective truth, morality, especially Christian morality, have been cast aside. And to have a culture where their will, their whim, their pursuit of pleasure and satisfaction is sacrosanct, where, the, where that's the, the, sort of the highest thing and nothing interferes with it. Nothing condemns it, criticizes it, stands in its way. That's what they want. That's what they're doing. That's what they have done. So if we're not fighting them on that battleground and we just go down to the borders and fight everything there and ignore, then that's, you've lost. It's like locking your door. It's like if there's a fire in your kitchen and I yell to you, hey, there's a fire in the kitchen. And you say, okay, let me go lock the doors. No, it's who cares about the doors right now? Put the fire out first. But what a lot of people will do now is, is they'll do the opposite. They'll say, well, what does the fire matter if there's, uh, the door's unlocked and burglars can get in? The burglars won't even want to come in pretty soon when the whole house is in ashes. So the left's cultural agenda is a fire in the kitchen, and it's spread to the living room and the, and the dining room and the, and the bedroom. I mean, it's all over the place. It's practically taking down the entire house. And you might say it's impossible now to put out the fire. Uh, maybe it is. But if we're not even going to try, then what's the point? Then why are you locking the doors anyway? If you're saying it's impossible to put out the fire, no reason to even try, okay, well, then just leave the house. Don't even, don't even worry about locking the doors. Just leave. Get out. But if you think that whether or not we can put it out or not, our, what we should do is, is we should fight it anyway because this is what we're called to do to defend the house, then go ahead and do it. But if you embrace moral relativism, hedonism, uh, the gay agenda, all these things, then you're not fighting the fire. You are lighting them. And that's my problem with the so-called alt-right. Now, that said, that's all just full disclosure, being honest. I disagree wholeheartedly with what Twitter's doing here. Uh, it's not a constitutional issue. It's not a legal issue, but it's an ethical issue. Twitter can do what it wants with its own service, but we are free to criticize it for its inconsistency and dishonesty. And there's a lot of inconsistency and dishonesty here. I know I personally have been harassed by people on Twitter, uh, often by the same people for years now. And it doesn't offend me, but they never, they never seem to get banned from the service. And one must assume that Twitter doesn't notice those types because they're liberal and I'm conservative. And again, Twitter can do what it wants, but we as users can also hold them accountable, and we should. I would actually, see, I would have no problem with Twitter if they decided they wanted to have a a platform where rules of, of cordiality and decency are strictly enforced. If they said that's the kind of platform we want to have, it'd be very challenging to do, um... I'm not sure I would use it under those circumstances. But if they said, you know, this is a matter of, um, of, of decorum and we want to have a, 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 a forum with a lot of decorum, that could even be their slogan, forum with decorum, and they enforced it equally, then I would respect the decision. I, 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 may, I may myself very cordially go in another direction with my, uh, for my social media, but I would respect it. The fact that they don't enforce it equally makes their anti-bullying claims ring hollow, and that's the problem. And I think it's important to frame it correctly. Every time something like this, like this happens, I hear a lot about the First Amendment being under attack, as the emailer said himself. And that's just not right. Twitter is a private company. It can do what it wants. 
if it decides that it doesn't want to host right-wing rhetoric and right-wing thought, thought or alt-right rhetoric or thought, it can make that decision. This can be compared to a Christian bake, a baker uh, not wanting to bake a cake for a gay wedding, which I've always said they should be free to do that. But, of course, that's the hypocrisy because liberals think the latter company, the bakery, should not be legally permitted to withhold service based on the views of the owner. Yet they celebrate Twitter for doing the same thing. Hypocrisy. And that's why we as conservatives have to remain on the higher, more intelligent, more consistent ground, the solid ground, and not engage in the reverse hypocrisy, hypocrisy where we think Twitter shouldn't be able to withhold service, but the baker should. Now, they are very different situations. With the baker, it's a religious freedom issue. Uh, the baker isn't withholding service based on someone's viewpoint. He's choosing not to participate in an event that he abhors. And so it's different than Twitter, but it, it, they still fall under the free speech, free enterprise umbrella. That said, just because we recognize somebody's right to do something doesn't mean we must agree that they are right in doing it. There's this really weird thing in our country today where people seem incapable of making that kind of distinction. It's like, it's like everything we want to do or, or think should be done has to be a right. And everything we don't want people to do has to mean they don't have a right. Somehow we've forgotten that we can, we can forcefully speak out forcefully speak out against someone doing something without speaking out against their right to do it. We can do that. And that's where we are with Twitter. You know, any conservative could be next. Twitter's not as important to me uh, professionally as, as Facebook, but Facebook, you know, I, I've got a lot riding on Facebook. And if I ever got kicked off of Facebook, that'd be a very harmful thing to my career. And so there's a lot, there's a lot at stake here. And I recognize that. So we should hold Twitter accountable for this. Next email, Matt, uh, you may have already seen or written about this, but the number one pediatric children's hospital in the nation is assisting a family as the family's four-year-old daughter decides to transition to a boy. Our daughter had a life-saving open-heart surgery at this hospital as a, as, a, as a toddler. I've had nothing but respect for the hospital in the past, but this is insane. The article showed up in my Facebook news feed because I have subscribed to their posts as well as financially contributed to the hospital in the past. Um. Thanks for all you're right as a voice of reason in an increasingly crazy world. Sincerely, Deanne. Yeah, this is, this, is, this is horrifying. This is a poor young girl, four years old, whose parents are helping transition into a boy with the assistance of a once-respected medical institution. It's horrifying. And in a just and sane world, every adult involved in this psychological and sexual abuse would be locked in prison. Every single one. In prison. And I'm, that's not hyperbole. I really mean it. For years, that's what I would do. I would put them in prison because that's how utterly grotesque this abuse is. And it is psychological abuse. It's sexual abuse. It is emotional abuse. It turns into physical abuse once you start factoring in uh, hormone pills and so forth. I don't think they give the hormone pills to the four-year-olds at this point, but at a certain point they will. And at that point, um, a, a child is being chemically poisoned, poisoned to suit the... Um, sort of the whims and, and, and progressive inclinations of the parent. And that's, uh, I am very hesitant. Anyone who's read my stuff for any period of time knows I'm very hesitant to make a claim that parents should have a child taking away, taken away from them. Um, or that a parent is not fit to parent. I'm very hesitant to make that claim. I, I, I very rarely do because it's such an extraordinary thing to say. But in this case, I would make that claim that these parents are unfit and that their child should be removed from the home. It won't happen, but it should. 
because they are destroying, utterly destroying their child in the most grotesque way imaginable. That's what they're doing. Here's a paragraph from an article about this. It says, before he was three years old, Jacob insisted he was a boy. It wasn't just that he wanted to wear boy clothes and have short hair. He became more irritable and withdrawn each day that he needed to live as Maya. His parents ultimately consulted the gender management clinic, which is a thing, at Boston Children's Hospital, who referred him to a therapist specializing in transgender youth. She encouraged the LeMays to keep things fluid and not force either gender on him in case he changed his mind. But Jacob was sure. Three years old. Three, under three years old when this happened. Do you see what happens here? This is a, a, a two-year-old baby. A baby. A toddler at two years old who is confused, who doesn't know anything. Two-year-olds know nothing. They don't understand anything about anything. They are completely ignorant of almost everything. Okay? That's what it means to be two years old. You, you don't know anything. You have no concept of anything. You've been on earth for two years. That's it. And so this child says, I'm a boy. They take her to a, take her to a, a hospital. And the, the, the psychotic therapist there says, keep things fluid. Rather than guide your child, offer her guidance, teach her, show her the way. Let her tell her who she is. Light the way, mom and dad. Accompany her on the path to truth, to fulfillment. Rather than saying that, it's, oh, keep things fluid. Let the two-year-old decide for herself. Psychos. Complete psychos. This is, listen, there is no defending this there's nothing redeeming about it there is no other side to the story this is crazy awful horrible and the people responsible for it should be in jail and the people who defend it are just i mean you're either incredibly incomprehensibly stupid or you are just as depraved as the as the adults in this situation i mean i have i have nothing but contempt for what we are doing to kids. I mean, this is, I just cannot even wrap my head around it. And you hear about it all the time. And I still cannot even get closer to even confronting this because it's so painful mentally. Innocent little kids don't even know what it means to be a boy. They have no idea. I think I'm a boy, mommy. She doesn't know what a boy is. She doesn't know, you idiots. She doesn't know. Your two-year-old girl does not know what a boy is. She might as well be saying, I think I'm a pelican. She doesn't know what that means. She doesn't know what a girl is. I was reading some of the Facebook comments about this story. Many of them were supportive, of course. Um, I want to read you one, one from a woman named Julie. Julie says, I just can't believe these comments. My friend's child is transgender at the age of four. He is so much happier now. This child hated girls' clothes, toys, etc., wore baseball caps, begged for boy haircuts, never smiled or seemed happy until his parents went with it. Child is nothing but smiles now and much more relaxed. Okay. If you're citing wore a baseball cap as proof that a four-year-old girl is really a boy, then you are, well, I, I don't know what to say about you. You're delusional. You are delusional. 
wore a baseball cap? You, I mean, this is considered a symptom now or a sign. Your little girl, two years old, wears a baseball cap, and now it's, oh, my God, she's a boy. I can't continue with this. I just can't. I can't I, 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 all right, moving on to another. <sighs> hey, Matt, got a question about a different topic. I'm curious why you like The Godfather so much. I saw it a few years ago. Remember it being well done. Don't remember liking it much. However, I do love lots of meat and stories and deep things to chew on and think about. Wondering what I missed in The Godfather. I'll watch it again at some point, but I'm curious what you see in it because I appreciate your point of view. And you have changed my mind about things more than once. Godspeed, Brit. Brit, how dare you? How dare you? How dare you? No, I, you're, you're, you're a girl, uh, with all due respect, so I'll excuse you for not liking The Godfather. That's the rule here. In fact, I, I've, I've never met a woman who really loved The Godfather. It's very interesting. My wife is in this category. She, she's like Brit. I, I forced my wife to watch both Godfathers. I think maybe not, not on the same day. That would have been cruel and unusual punishment. But I forced her to watch both, and she, um, she was like okay with them. And that's, I just don't understand the reaction to The Godfather. Ah, I'm okay with it. But that's, I don't know, maybe it's hormonal. There's something there blocking a woman from fully appreciating The Godfather. And, uh, and I'm not sure what it is. I'll tell you quickly what I love about the movie. I, I, I think movies like this, I would say the same about my, my favorite show of all time, the best show of all time, Breaking Bad, that they're, well, you could almost call them Christian. And don't burn me at the stake for saying that. What I mean is the morality, the moral lesson is totally in line with Christian teaching. Yes, there's violence, language, and so forth. But what The Godfather really does is it takes this decent man, Michael Corleone, and it shows how he slowly succumbs to evil temptations. He is slowly pulled into darkness by pride, greed, wrath. And it shows what that does to a man, what it does to a family. It can be difficult to watch, but, but I do think it can be a valuable thing to watch, if done correctly, uh, as long as it doesn't glorify. There are a lot of mob movies, a lot of like Scorsese mob movies, Casino or one of those. That I, like the, you know, I like that movie too, but it, those tend to, to glorify and really almost make caricatures out of, out of these uh, evil men. But The Godfather doesn't glorify any of the evil that it shows, not in my view, anyway. It, it, instead, it, you know, it's a tragedy. A, a good man makes one very bad decision early on. A very bad decision, but with some good intentions, and you can almost understand it. But we see how, you know, starting there, this evil choice leads to another and another. And finally, by the end of the second movie, he's watching from the window while he has his own brother murdered for betraying him. And that's the last act. Evil has taken him and completely decimated everything, destroyed everything. And you just see the, the emptiness of it, the futility of it. I think, and again, it has to be done right and for the right reasons, but a movie or book play that shows the emptiness and futility of evil. That to me is what the Godfather does. That's the message. That's what it's, it's getting to. And there's a lot of great drama and great acting along the way. But the emptiness and futility of evil. A, you know, a piece of art that can show that, not to glorify evil, but to expose it, I think that could be very valuable. It's for adults, not for kids, usually, that, that sort of material. But I think it can be great in The Godfather's case. I think it is. Uh, dear Matt, 
How can you defend Ted Cruz's stunt at the convention on Wednesday night? It was the most selfish and disgusting thing I've ever seen. I'm done following you after this. I just can't anymore. I've been reading you for three years, but now I'm done. Bye, Adam. Okay, well, uh, Adam, we had a hell of a run. That's all I can say. Didn't we? You and I. I just ask, Adam, that, that you remember the good times we had. Think of the good times. Think of the bond we shared. And then, and then, Adam, go your way. Go your way. Never look back, Adam. Never look back. This is for the best. I swear, I'm hardly exaggerating here when I say everything I say is the last straw for someone. <laughs> everything. Everything I say provokes at least five people to go, I'm done. That's it. I'm done. I'm out. That's the last straw, Matt. Even, even the, the, the funniest thing is when it's, uh, someone says, I'm done now. And it's after I said something that I've already said 8,000 times already in the past. And they act utterly shocked by it. This happens every time, believe it or not, every time I write a pro-life piece about abortion. There's always someone who goes, well, if that's how you feel about abortion, then I can't follow you anymore. And I think, is that re- you're, you're just finding this out? I've been following you for 15 years and I'm done. And I think, well, 15 years ago, I was a sophomore in high school. And so if you were following me then, then that's sort of terrifying. Anyway, on the Ted Cruz thing, uh, I, you know, I've already written about it a couple times. Yes, he gave what I thought was a brilliant conservative speech, didn't endorse Trump in the process. I've already given my opinion about that on Facebook in an article I wrote. Here, here's just what I'll, I'll highlight from what I've already said. Put aside your feelings about Cruz or Trump. Put aside whether you're never Trump or whatever. And let's look at two facts about this. First of all, as I said Wednesday night, let's concentrate on the fact that Donald Trump slandered Cruz's father, insulted, and threatened his wife. Okay? Trump never apologized for these things and, in fact, defended doing them. All other political concerns notwithstanding, there is simply no way that an honorable man can kiss the ring of a bully who demeaned and degraded his father and wife. A man of honor cannot do that. There is no way. Many Trump fans have attacked Cruz, of course, for not endorsing. I wonder if if the Trumpkin men out there would actually become a public surrogate for someone who offended the dignity of their own wives and fathers. You know, a guy gets up there, your wife is ugly, your father helped kill Kennedy. Would you really turn around and become a public surrogate for them, publicly endorse them? Now, it's one thing to forgive as we're called to forgive. But Jesus never says anything about forgive and then endorse for president. That's not in there. It's just forgive. And it does, Jesus also never says forgive and forget. He never says that because you're going to remember. And sometimes people do things that you can't help but remember. And, in fact, you should remember because although you forgive it as a Christian, it also tells you what kind of person they are and for your own safety and for the sake of, of you know, your family in the future – you have to keep this in mind. For instance, if, if someone shows that they cannot be trusted because they betray you in some way, you can't trust them. Well, you may forgive them, but that doesn't mean you ever trust them again. You've got someone who's a, you know, a child molester and goes to jail, and you forgive him as a Christian, which is hard to do, but you do. That doesn't mean that you invite him over to babysit your kids. Okay, You, you wouldn't. You probably wouldn't invite him in at all, but you still forgive him because you remember it. So when someone shows themselves to you in this way, the way that Trump did with Cruz. Just degrades, demeans, not, not just you. You know, that's one thing. But goes after your wife, your wife, your father. When they do that, okay, 
they have shown something that you cannot forget. Second, here's the important thing. We know now that the RNC and Trump knew what Cruz's speech contained, that Cruz would offer no endorsement. Cruz told Trump to his face that he would not endorse during the speech. Everything was above board. Cruz was honest about it. He told everyone. They knew. They knew. Okay? So what happened? Trump is the one who backstabbed. Trump, again, the manipulative weasel in the situation, not Cruz. Trump invited Cruz to speak knowing what he'd say. Okay? Knowing what he'd say. And then, and then the Trump camp, camp whipped up booze against Cruz pre-planned in order to embarrass him. It was Trump who used the speech, used the convention to get revenge on Cruz. Not the other way around, okay? That's the fact. That's the fact. Okay, next. This is from K, just the letter K. Matt, you took exception to Caitlyn Jenner being allowed on stage at a conservative event during the RNC convention. I don't see a problem with it. She has an inspiring story to tell and to let her on stage is outreach. Don't you want to expand the party? Okay. A few things. One, the correct pronoun for Bruce is he. I'm a stickler for scientific accuracy, so I must correct the record in that respect. It is he, he, not she, he. Second, please stop telling me. Just please stop telling me that Bruce Jenner is inspiring and brave and courageous. I just, I I can't hear it anymore. Good Lord, I've never met someone or seen someone that is so insistent upon being applauded everywhere he goes. Just every week, there's another thing where, isn't Bruce Jenner so brave? He's, He's talking about how brave he is for doing this or that. Can we just stop already? First, we were applauding him for cross dressing, and now we're applauding him for having the courage to be a Republican. <laughs> the courage to be a Republican. Save it, please. It doesn't take guts to be a Republican, for God's sake. If anything, it's it's the opposite. Mitch McConnell is a Republican. John Boehner is a Republican. Lindsey Graham's a Republican. Are these all paragons of courage as well? It doesn't take courage. It takes even less courage to be a Democrat, that's for sure. But it doesn't mean it takes courage to be a Republican. Oh, I came out as a Republican and people stopped liking me. Yeah, join the club. Join the club, Bruce. It's a, it's a big club. It's a big club. A lot of us have gone through that. Uh, are, are we going to be praised as well? Applauded? Third, but anyway, here's the third point. Outreach. Outreach. To To whom? transgenders there's like 12 of them in the world are we gonna is is that really a a political strategy here's the thing i I want to talk about this outreach concept putting bruce jenner aside if you want to have outreach if you want to reach out and bring people into conservatism or into the republican party then do it reach out reach out and explain defend articulate the principles of conservatism that's how you reach out. You, 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 you want people to be conservative. Tell them why they should be conservative. Explain it. Talk about it. Do you know why a lot of people are not conservative? This is going to be a shocker. It's, bec- it's not because uh, conservatives aren't cool or they don't have enough transgenders at their conventions. It's because uh, people aren't conservative. Because they don't believe in conservatism. They don't agree with it. They don't believe it. And so that's why they're not. And guess what? To solve that problem, 
the problem of people not believing it, we can't stop believing it ourselves. That, that's not going to solve it. This, this is also a newsflash to a lot of people. You think, well, how do we get people to be conservatives? I know. We should stop being conservative too, and then nobody will be conservative. Great. Bringing a man in a dress on stage won't make them believe it either. No stunt, no amount of shameless, grotesque pandering will make anyone believe in ideas. People can't believe in ideas if you don't explain the ideas to them. If they don't even know what the ideas are, how are they going to believe them? So that's step one. We have to get them to believe what we believe, and the way to do that is to defend and represent our ideas. To defend and represent our ideas. I'll say it again. To defend and represent our ideas. That's what you do. I didn't say it was easy, but that's what it entails. That and nothing else. People are not conservative because they don't believe in conservatism. And and oftentimes, they don't believe in it because they don't even know what it is. They don't even know what it is. They have stereotypical ideas in their head. And the way you defeat the stereotypical ideas or the caricatures um, is, is not to pander, but to say, look, here are our ideas. Here they are. Let me explain them to you. And if that's not enough, you know, if you reach out, explain the ideas, represent, live out the ideas yourself, uh, and you do all that, and that's not enough, and someone still pulls away, people still pull away, everybody still pulls away, then in that case, there's nothing more that can be done. There's, that's it. Okay? You can desperately beg and plead, and you can start changing your, your belief system to fit closer to theirs. You can do all that, but it will not matter. It's only going to make things worse. People say, well, what do we do if the whole culture rejects our belief system? I, nothing. I mean, what do you mean, what do we do? What, 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 what do you want to hear? Mass suicide? I mean, it's just you continue to believe what you believe. You continue to explain it and preach it and talk about it and, and, uh, and again, live it out, really importantly. You do all those things, and that's all. You just keep doing them. You keep doing them. Even if you're the last one left, if it's only you and everybody else has gone and you're the last one left who still believes in these ideas, you hold on to them and you keep believing them and keep talking about them and keep preaching them and saying them, explaining them, living them. That's what you do until you die. Okay? That's the answer. And it's not an answer. That's the point. There might not be an answer. There might not be some switch that you could flip and just make everything better and make everyone agree with you in fact i know that switch does not exist you can't flip it it's not there i just don't understand you know we say okay you you explain your ideas you you defend them articulate them live them out and then people say well what if that doesn't work what do you mean what if it doesn't work i mean it's not going to work for a lot of people nothing's going to be perfect but what, what if it doesn't work? No, nothing. There, there's no plan B. It's just plan A, and you keep doing plan A. That's all you can do. Okay? And you just accept the fact, if, if, you're, if you have the guts, if you're bold enough, you accept the fact that you might live in a culture, in a country, that rejects you and rejects your ideas and rejects your beliefs and looks down upon them 
and mocks them and belittles them and belittles you and defames you and everything. There's been a lot worse in history. People have been treated a lot worse than we're treated, but you have to accept that that's a possibility that's going to happen. You have to be willing to endure that. If you're not willing to endure that, it doesn't mean, oh, I'm a winner, I like winning, uh, so I'm not willing to endure that sort of abuse, or I'm not willing to be attacked. It doesn't make you a winner. That makes you a loser. That makes you a coward. That makes you a gutless, spineless little worm. If you're going to say, yeah, I'll hold on to these beliefs unless I'm attacked and everyone rejects them, in which case I'm going to go to the other side just so I can be a winner. You're not a winner. You're a loser. You are a loser. You lose, you coward. The winners are the ones who stand firm. It doesn't matter if, if, if they're all alone. They stand firm and they win. They might not win votes. They might not win elections. They might not win friends. They might not win respect. They might not win adulation. They might not win a lot of things. But in the end, they win. Because they stood firm. So that's the answer. Or, you know, you could invite a guy in a dress on stage and hope everyone thinks you're cool. That too. There's another option. All right, that's going to do it for me, everybody. I will uh, talk to you next week. A cruce salus. Godspeed.